Good morning. Great to be here with you today. Thank you for joining us online. If you're joining online or if you're in Vagerville or in Chauvin, uh, we are diving into week three of our Dangerous Prayers series, uh, where for the last few weeks, we've been talking about these prayers that, that would stretch us and grow us in our faith, prayers that are dangerous. And today, I think we might be diving into the most dangerous prayer of all the weeks. I'm going to make that claim today. If we're willing to pray this, it's this, send me. Send me. It's a dangerous prayer that in so many ways it flows out of the last two weeks where we've been talking about these prayers that in a lot of, way, a lot of ways are God preparing us for this prayer. Uh, we, we prayed these prayers that said, hey God, would you search me? God, would you reveal my trust? Would you reveal my heart? Would you reveal sin in my life? And then last week, Pastor Mike challenged us to pray, break me. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, would my heart and your heart align? God, would you prepare me in these prayers for this prayer right here? Because if we're willing to pray this prayer, this is a prayer that says, use me. Now use me, God. You've prepared me. You, you've broken my heart. Now, now use me. Here I am. I'm available. I'm ready. I'm willing. Speak in and through my life. Let me be your hands and feet. Send me. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that before? Have you ever prayed, send me? I think I actually was praying this prayer last week when I was in West Ed Mall with my wife, and uh, the mall was crazy packed. I mean, it was like Christmas busy. How many people know that mall when it's Christmas busy? It's crazy in there. It's loud. You're bumping elbows with everybody, and we're walking through this mall, and these faces are buzzing by, and, and I'm just like, I start praying because, you know, I'm just... I'm in the spirit. I'm just such a good Christian. Why wouldn't I be praying right now, right? And I start praying, Lord, send me. Send me home right now from this mall. <laughs> At least send me to the car. At this point, I'd let you send me to Manitoba even, right? Like, no offense if you're from Manitoba. We love you, okay? I'm getting an email for that one for sure, right? Sometimes we pray it like this. Hey, God, send me. Send me to be your hands and feet in Hawaii or in California or God, because I love you so much and I'm so faithful. I'll go to both this year, right? But only when the need is high, which is usually between January and March when the snow is high here, right, Lord? Or we pray, God, send me on my time, but on your dime, right? We pray it's safe. We, we pray prayers like this safe. And a few weeks ago, I kind of foreshadowed that we would be in this space praying this prayer and that this is a prayer that we probably actually pray a lot more than we realize, but we pray it in a safe way. Because I believe that like when, when we choose to follow Jesus, when, we, when we're starting to just like really grow in Christ, we pray use me all the time, but we pray it like this. We say, hey, God, would you use me uh, on my time when it's convenient, when it, when it works out for me, when it's not going to cost me anything, when it's comfortable, would you send me? Would you send me? This becomes dangerous when we truly pray it, though where we say, God, your will be done. Your will, your way. God, here I am, send me. We start declaring, it's about you, God, and what you're doing. And God, I wanna be a part of that. You can make me uncomfortable, you can inconvenience me, it can cost me, I'm willing to go. It's a moment where we make that choice to say, 
Jesus, I want to live out what you said in Matthew 16, 24, that whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow after me must deny themselves, must deny their comfort. Must, it must not be about themselves and take up their cross and follow after me. Jesus says that's how we become followers and disciples of him. It, it becomes about him. And so send me is this prayer committing our lives to that. To saying, I, I want more, God. I, I want to be a part of everything you're doing. I want more of what you have for my life and my world. I want a live and active faith. It's a rejection of nominal, comfortable Christianity, which you hear me talk about so much from this stage that we can so easily live. My life will just slip into that without thinking sometimes. It's just easy to live comfortable, do the routine Christianity. But if you want to come alive in your faith, if you want to come alive in your faith and experience the fullness of who he is and what he has for you and your friends and the strangers around you and the world that we're living, if you want to come alive in this and experience the fullness of him, then pray a dangerous prayer. Pray this dangerous prayer. Wake up each day and simply say, God, send me. God, use me today. And then step into all that he has for you. Because he wants to do this in the lives of believers. He wants us to experience his fullness. And he wants to invite you into those moments and those things and those beautiful things that he's doing all around us every day. And we know this because Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Maybe you read that, or it's come up on your screen, and you've never really thought through, for we are God's masterpiece. Such a powerful, beautiful statement in scripture about what God says about you and me. In carpentry, a, a masterpiece is literally the best piece of work. It, it's, it's a piece of work that it's considered the carpenter's greatest work, something of excellence that the creator is deeply proud of. And Ephesians says this, it says that you are his greatest work. A masterpiece, something of excellence that he is deeply proud of. And you've been created in Christ with purpose to make an impact. Your life matters. You've been created to step into the good that he's prepared for you. He says that you are the greatest thing he created and, and he pours value and purpose over your life. And so if you're wondering today if you matter, I want you to know today you matter. You were loved. You were created with great purpose. And our world needs followers of Christ to be willing to pray a dangerous prayer, to step into the truth that we're reading here, that we would understand that we were created as his masterpiece and called to a good work. He's created you for that unique impact in this world. What you bring to the table, no one else brings to the table the same way. I'm a 1984 baby from Marshall, Saskatchewan. Believe me, I bring a uniqueness to everywhere I go. Many of you know that. And I embrace that because I was created as his masterpiece. And he says that he's prepared good for me to step into. He's inviting me because of me and because of him. He says, I love you. I created you with purpose and value. I want to send you to these beautiful places. Now go. Today you matter. And he wants to speak through your beautiful life. He calls us to be his hands and feet.
that we would be willing to carry the good news, the gospel, that we would carry real hope, new life, and lasting purpose to every corner of the world, to every school that we enter, to, to every coffee shop we find ourselves in, to every job site, every workplace, you name it, everywhere we would find, every space and place that we would carry who he is and the good news of Christ. Because the need is plentiful, my friends. Our world needs us to come awake to this. In Matthew 9, 37, Jesus says it like this. He says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, our world is, is full of people who don't know Jesus yet. They, they, they don't know him yet. And they're living lives, and they're searching for, for purpose and, and love and fullness of life and, and peace and hope. And we carry, as followers of Christ, everything that they need but do you care about that today? Do you wake up and is it something that you carry with you? Is this, this, this burden, this tension that says, I have everything a searching world needs because of Christ in me? And God says, who will go? He invites us. He says, who will go for me? We see a great example of this in Isaiah 6. There's a hopelessness in the nation of Israel that's, that's risen up. King Uzziah has died. He's been one of the greater kings that Israel's had. He's reigned for 57 years. He, he's loved, and, and now he's passed away, and a lot of the kings that went before him were, were terrible. And, and when they ruled, the nation was in peril and, and suffering, and, and things were terrible. And so now there's this, this unknown. What's life going to be like? What's next going to look like? And while all this is going on, the world's growing more and more sinful. And there's wars and rumors of wars. There's persecution. There's tension in the land. Tensions are high. The people need hope. They need freedom from their sin and they need God. Doesn't this sound like 2023? Uh, the, the tensions are high. There's a hopelessness. We, we need freedom from our sin and we need God. This is 2023, and, and yet in this moment, Isaiah is found worshiping in the temple. And he starts having this vision. And as he's having this vision, God's showing him this picture. He just experiences the powerful presence of God, the, the holiness and glory of God. And as he's in that space, and he's just surrounded, and it says the room is full. The fullness of God and his presence and his holiness is so present there. And it causes this awareness to rise up in Isaiah. And he can't help but see his own brokenness. He can't help but see his own sinfulness. He can't help but be aware of the sinfulness of the nation around him. And he's just burdened. He's burdened in such a way that he can't help but respond to the powerful holiness of God. And he lays his sin down. He can't help but align his life with who his God is. He can't help but align his heart with God's. And as he lays his sin down, as he repents, he's met with this beautiful grace and mercy and love of Christ. He's met with the beauty of God. And in Isaiah 6, verse 8, this is what Isaiah says. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. 
See, Isaiah, in the presence of God, he has this, this amazing, beautiful experience as he's met with unimaginable love, as he's set free from his sin. It just stirs a response from his life. It, it can't help but stir a response from his life. It stirs Isaiah's heart for God's heart. He can't help but, but just align his life and lay his sin down and, and just say, God, it, it just stirs this response to that call. Who will go? Who will go? Here I am, Isaiah Christ. He says, send me. Send me to bring this nation hope. Send me to preach freedom from sin. Send me to call others to you, Lord. Send me to be your hands and feet. This experience in his presence, it just drives Isaiah to say, listen, everybody needs to experience the fullness of who you are like this. It sets me free, and I want to see others set free. And i got to ask you today, church, when's the last time that you experienced his presence like this? When's the last time you experienced his presence so deeply and tangibly that you can help but lay your sin down? You can help but lay down anything that's not from him. You can help but recognize that you were created for more than maybe where you're giving your life right now. And you just wanted to align your heart and your life. You couldn't help but leave that moment changed because of who he is and his holiness that you've just been able to tangibly grab a hold of. Have you ever been in a moment like that where his presence has just moved you and stirred your heart that you couldn't help but want to see an entire nation changed. All those around you changed. All your friends and family. That you're just burdened for them to experience the freedom and, and the hope and the love and the purpose that's found in Christ. Have you experienced God this way? Have you experienced his presence like that? Because I need you to know today. Church, I need you to know today. He wants you to experience him like this every day. He wants you to experience the fullness of who he is. That's his heart for you and me, that we'd experience him and be stirred and empowered and encouraged by the fullness of his presence, that it would stir a desire in our hearts and in our lives to go share who he is, that it would just fire you up because you know that you've never experienced anything like that before and you've never experienced it anywhere apart from him. You can't help but share the good news. We need to be intentional as followers about seeking this out, about saying, God, I, I want more of your presence in my life. And the reason we need this is because we need to be filled up and sent out. Because when we're in his presence, the way Isaiah was, it filled him up and, and just sent him out. It motivated, it mobilized him. And that's what God wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants to fill us up and send us out. And I want you to know today that when we are willing to ask God to do this in our lives, he'll do it. When you are willing to say, God, I want more of your presence, he shows up. He's faithful that way. When, when you stand here and worship on a Sunday and you simply say, God, I want your presence, he's already here. He's pouring out. He's not lacking. He's not found wanting. He says, I'm here. I want to pour out everything I have on you today, here and now. You don't have to wonder if you go searching for him, if he'll be found. It says, when, when you seek him with all of your heart, he is found. Almost said that and fast forward. That's how excited I got about that. Let's go. And this is what's amazing. As you begin to ask, he'll pour out everywhere. He'll, he'll pour out in your car as you drive. He'll pour out at home as you're showering. He'll pour out as you're headed to work. He'll pour out at your coffee experiences with your friends. Anywhere you invite him, he'll pour out in your headphones as you go on a jog. You name it as you're baking, whatever, as anywhere you invite him. 
But are you looking for more? Church, are we looking for more? Are we looking for just enough? Are we looking for more? Are we looking for, for just enough? Because the reality is, is that there's something about his presence that we need to grab a hold of and we need to understand. If you know, you know. When the, when the Spirit's moving, when, when people are being healed around you, when people are having the gifts poured out on them, when they're experiencing the fullness, and when you're in his presence that way, it's like Lay's chips. You can't just have one moment like that, right? You just can't have one. You start to crave it. You want more and more and more. When you've experienced the true, living, alive, active, at work God who wants to impact your life and the world around you, you can't help but seek after it more and more. And what it does when we, when we put our lives in his presence, it, it often fans what is just an ember of faith into a roaring fire. It, it just fans into flame that, that faith that should just be a roaring fire that's just like literally noticeable to everyone around us. And our world needs us. Our world needs us to get serious about living this way. About being filled up and sent out by the presence of God. But our world needs us to be filled with his spirit because he's the one who changes circumstance and, and lives and hearts. He's the one who sets the captives free. And we live in a world that's searching. As we live in a world that's searching, people that are searching for freedom and hope and love and purpose, maybe that's even why you found yourself in here today or online or in Vagerville or in Chauvin because you're searching. And I want you to know you're in the right place if you're searching today. Because he wanted you to hear that you are his masterpiece, that he loves you, that he created you with great value. He wants you to know that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross so you could be forgiven and set free and know him personally today. And that's the good news that we get to carry as believers. Come on, church, yeah. Like, I know it's a bit of an awkward message. <laughs> but we can ex get excited for the truth of who he is. Because our world needs us to live this way. And here's the real awkward truth. As often as the church, we've fallen asleep on the reality that those that we do day to day with, those that we pass by every day, those that we're not thinking about, that don't know Christ in our world, if they don't know him, they're gonna die and go to hell. They're headed to hell. And as believers, we have a hope and a reality that, that, that we can share with them that changes their eternity. And we're called to be his hands and feet. They need followers of Christ to get fed up with safe prayers and comfortable Christianity, that we'd be stirred by the Spirit of God in such a way that we couldn't help but say, God, send me. I've just spent so much time in his presence and so much time with him, I just can't help but share the reality of who he is with everyone. And so we start to say, God, send me. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost, whatever the discomfort, whatever the inconvenience, here I am, send me. We need to be the church that says that, the believer, the follower of Christ that says that. Romans 10, 13, 15 says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, that, that could just be a sermon on its own, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then it goes on and says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. 
See, all throughout history, when people have been willing to pray this dangerous prayer, and when they've been willing to answer that call, to go and be Jesus' hands and feet so anyone and everyone could call on his name, the things that have been done in our world, like there's not enough space on the internet to tell every story. There's not enough space anywhere to tell every story of the impact of those that have been willing to pray this dangerous prayer. And, and here we are over 1,300 years later since Isaiah was called. And I need you to know today, church, that the work is not done yet. There's story after story beyond amounts we can imagine, and yet the work is not done yet. God is still on the move. He's still wanting to transform hearts and lives all around us today. And he's still calling. He's calling you and me. He's prompting, he's urging us to go beyond ourselves. He says, go beyond yourself. Lay down your comfort. Go and serve and build and love and pray for and fight for and share the good news of Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who have been willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Pray a dangerous prayer. You are his handiwork created to do good. You were created to have faith that would impact the world around you. And so what things hold us back from praying this today? What would hold us back from praying such a powerful, important prayer over our lives? I think the first thing is this, it's our fears. It's our fears. It's what holds us back from so many things in our life, right? Our fears. We fear the unknown or the uncomfortable or the cost or the inconvenience. If we pray, send me, if I pray, send me, I'm like, God, what if this like, leads you to call me to do something I don't want to do? Like, do you not know it's Saturday and it's like plus nine in November, I need to hang my Christmas lights? Like, I can't be inconvenienced today. It's the unknown. But how many times do we talk ourselves out of doing something good? How many times do we talk ourselves out of stepping into that invite from him where he's saying, hey, I want you to step out of your comfort, step out of like your, your narrow thinking that we often get caught up in, and I want you to go and be my hands and feet. And fear comes in and we say like, man, like it might be inconvenient, it might cost too much, it might take too long. We have all these different fears. We're gonna talk about the excuses in a moment, but our fears just snuff out that call. And so you feel like, man, I, I should actually make a meal. Like I know like the neighbor two over, like they've been sick for a while. I just feel like I should make them a meal and, and just love on them that way. But then you're like, ah, like what if they're gluten free? I don't want to ruin my witness, right? Like if I get this wrong, they're going to think I'm a terrible person. We make up these, these excuses and sometimes they're kind of funny or they're just kind of awkward. Instead of just pressing into this call that God's placed over our lives, we find reasons to not step out. What if it takes longer? What if they reject me? And so we don't ask if we can pray. We don't pick up the phone. And we don't start that conversation. We don't invite them to church or to our, our life group or Alpha because the fear calls us to a place where we just listen to our fear. And that's what our fears will do. They'll always try and handcuff us or silence us or get us to not trust where God is leading. And when that happens and we give in, we miss out. We miss out because God's still gonna use somebody to step into their life and to pray over them and to speak life into them and, and to show who he is. He pursues endlessly. He's, he wants our heart. He wants all of us to know him. And he invites you and me to be a part of that. 
He doesn't need to. He wants to invite you into it because he's like, this is going to be such a beautiful moment for you and for them. It's going to light you up. It's going to light them up. You're both going to see me. You're both going to glorify my name. And so he allows us to be a part of these amazing things that he's doing. And we get to see the fullness of him. And it's crazy because our fears often cause us to miss out. We never seem to lead into that, like, lean into that thought, like, what if this is the TSN turning point of their life, right? That you get to be a part of. Like, what if this is the moment where you dropping off of a meal is just the greatest blessing that they've experienced and it opens them to the fullness of a God that loves them and has purpose for their life? Maybe you've experienced a moment like that where God's just shown up as a, a, as a frozen lasagna, you know, and a friendly face. And it just sparked a truth that there's a God who cares about my life. Guys, he, 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 can, he does that. He shows up as frozen lasagna. He shows up as a, how's your day going at the gas pumps? He shows up as a, hey, I'll take two cream, one sugar. By the way, you're really good at this. Hey, did I tell you, like, I, you, you just made my day by just how I bought a coffee from you. You're gifted. Do you know that? It shows up when we're willing to say, God, send me and let me be your hands and feet. Let me be who you're calling me to be. Second Timothy 1.7 says he didn't give us a spirit of fear. And so we need to reject the fear that would hold us back. We need to live in a truth that says, I'd rather be uncomfortable. I'd rather have it cost me something. I'd rather even be wrong about the moment when I go, hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, not a chance. You're like, awesome, have a great day, right? Like, I would rather be in that moment and risk and risk being a part of what Jesus is doing in someone's life than miss out because of what fear's lying to me about. Come on, church, right? We're called to be people who walk by faith, not by sight. Don't let your fears hold you back. Let's lay our fears down for the sake of a world around us that needs to know Christ. Because we get to know him. We get to walk with the joy of the Lord in our lives. And he wants us to experience the fullness. The second thing that holds us back is our availability. I mean, we live busy lives, right? I mean, I, I'm the worst offender for this. I like to be on the go, 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 go. If you open up my calendar, there's more dots on it than there are like anything in English. It's like insane. And it's just... You know, it, it can just lead us places where we, we're living our lives and doing great things. And even a lot of the things that you're doing might be for the Lord, but you're living where you're going through the motions and you're busy. And the way we live our lives, we're basically saying to God, I'm too busy. God, like, I'm not available. God, you know when I'm available. It's at 1030 on a Sunday. Like, are you forgetful today? Like, what's going on? I'm available and we get caught in the hustle and bustle and the, the doing things and we want to please others and not disappoint people. And so we take on things that maybe we shouldn't have and, and then other things are good and even for the Lord. But in our busyness, in our drive to get things done, we walk by people every day where the Lord's just going, hey, pray for him. Pray for him. Just ask him. Just ask him. Hey, 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 just buy them a coffee. Hey, see if you can meet next week. Have a conversation. How many times... In the busyness, do we get blind to the things all around us that God wants us to come awake to? That he's saying, I, I, I want to send you. Who will go? Who will go in this moment? And we just get consumed. And I know in my life, there's been so many seasons like this. Even at North Point, we, we do so many amazing things, but if I'm not careful, what happens is I become a full-time pastor and a part-time Christian. How many times in our life does that happen where we become a, a full-time businessman or a full-time businesswoman or a full-time nurse and a part-time Christian or a quarter-time Christian or maybe Christian doesn't even make the schedule? And God says, I want you to be a follower of Christ first and everything else from there.
That's the call. So when we pray, send me, it's us giving God permission to interrupt our lives, to, to slow us down, to unblock the calendar. It's us God, saying to God, I'm available. Even in my going, I'm available. God, give me the eyes to see the needs all around me and a heart that says I'm available. If you were to talk and just honestly go before him today, would your life say, God, I'm available? Or what are some things that we would need to shift or, or lay down or, or, or push aside today to simply say, God, I'm available, to change how we're living? The last thing that I think holds us back is our excuses. I think there's so many times that, that we go like, listen, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will pray. And, you know, like um, somebody else will share the gospel in this moment. Somebody else will go. I mean, isn't this the pastor's job anyways? Those guys only work Sundays and Thursdays now, right? We should send one of those guys. Or we say, there's no point. I'm not skilled enough. I can never explain it well enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. There's somebody better. Or God would never call me. You know how messed up I am? You know how often I sin? God would never actually want to call me to go in this moment. And we try and find these reasons to disqualify ourselves or, or reasons that we could come up with to convince God as though we could ever convince him, like, God, you're wrong, you're, you're calling me to do this, but this can't be right, I'm not good enough. Like, clearly, God, and as though God's gonna go like, oh, yeah, I never saw it that way, even though I created you and know every hair on your head, right? Like, you got me this time, I'll call someone else instead. All through scripture, he calls broken, messed up, messy lives, like, Totally off the wall people. Ordinary people like me. Well, I'm not that ordinary. Let's be serious here. <laughs> he calls people despite their excuses. We see it. Moses says, I'm not good enough. Says, send Aaron instead. Pastor Aaron loves that. He quotes that to us all the time. Send Aaron instead, right? He calls David, who was an adulterer and a murderer. He calls Rahab, who was a prostitute. He calls Paul, who was killing Christians at the time. So what excuse could we possibly levy today that would convince him that he's wrong about calling us? I want you to know you're enough. You're enough. What you have is enough. Who you are is enough. What you bring is enough. He invites all of us says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says that God's grace is enough for us, that his power is actually made perfect in our weakness. In all that we have to bring, we, we can live in the truth and the hope that he is for us. He is for us. His call is for all of us, any willing to go, any willing to courageously say, here I am, send me. Today, some of you, he wants you to know, complete side note, that you've already been sent but you're living like Jonah. Who, when God called Jonah, God, he said, I don't wanna go, I'm not going. I, I don't like this circumstance, I don't like these people, I'm not going, and yet God sent him anyways. And you've been sent, but it's not Hawaii, it's the job that you wake up for every day that you hate going to. That you, you drive and you grumble and you're frustrated in, it's that neighborhood that you're living that you can't wait to get out of. It's that person who every time their name shows up on your phone, you're just like, oh, I don't even want to answer this call. And yet God wants you to know that in these moments of discontent, where you're discontent about the situations and you want more and you want different and you want less frustrating, he's actually set you where you are to make an impact. And he's inviting you today to simply say, here I am, God, here I am. We need to stop letting our excuses rob us 
of the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. Pray a dangerous prayer, my friends. As I was preparing for this today, I was thinking about the many people who have prayed this prayer. And there's a couple that we're so thankful for, that, that we're willing to pray, God, here we are, send us. It's Pastor Calvin and Hannah Somerville who are in Vagerville as our campus pastors. And they simply said, God, here we are, send us. And God said, okay, I wanna send you to Vagerville. And they said, Vagar, what? And God said, it's the place with the giant egg. And they said, oh, okay. And they found themselves at our campus in this beautiful town filled with amazing people who need the hope of Christ. And we got to hear at our vision meeting last Sunday of the impact that was made because of a willingness to say, here I am, send me. People are coming to Jesus and being baptized. Youth programs are having people, kids programs. There's people that are searching, that are able to find because of a willingness to say, here I am. And so many of you live this out too. We're so thankful for the teams of people that go or serve here or, or just step out of their comfort zone. Every life group host who opens their home so others can know Christ more. There's such a variety of ways that God wants to send us. But are we willing to simply pray, send me? Because he's inviting us to be his hands and feet. We get to do this. We get to pray this. So today, may you know that you're enough, that you've been created for unique impact, and that there's a need in our world for us to be filled up and sent out. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, but the workers aren't few because there's not enough people. There's few because not enough are standing up and saying, send me. Let's not be that, church. Today, may we be willing to pray this dangerous prayer. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Don't let anything hold you back, church. Don't let anything hold you back. I wanna pray for you today. Would you stand with me? Since we quiet ourselves before God, here and in Vagerville and online and Chauvin, we just close our eyes and just focus on him. And I just wanna pray over you today. So God, I thank you for, for those tuning in, those in Vagerville, those in Chauvin, and those here in the room. God, I thank you for those today that, that need to simply pray, here I am, I wanna follow you. They wanna make that choice today to be a follower of Christ for the first time and simply say, God, like, I, I'm messed up. I, I know that I'm not living how you've called, but today I lay my sin at your feet. Thank you for the freedom and the love and the joy that I can experience in who you are. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. And I thank you for those being set free right now by praying that. God, I thank you for the rest of us. Lord, may we be people who seek more of you. Where we chase after your presence, God, that we would be filled and sent out. May we be willing to pray this dangerous prayer, to get uncomfortable, to, to not just live out a comfortable religion, but God, a follower of Christ that we would become. And Lord, that we would come awake to the need around us, the need in our world, and that you created us for that unique impact. And you invite us into the beauty of who you are every day. God, would we be awake to that? Help us, God, to follow you that way and forgive us that we haven't so many times. God, I thank you that you have so much more for each person here. 
God, I pray even right now you put names and faces on our hearts. God, as we go for lunch today, God, that we can help but step out and be your hands and feet. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you that you speak to us. Help us to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.